You're listening to What's the Difference podcast on Anchor FM or anywhere else you find your podcasts. To see the video version of this episode, head to our YouTube page. You'll find the link on our Instagram or our Facebook at What's the Difference podcast. Don't forget to let us know what you think on our social channels. Enjoy the episode. episode of the first season of What's the Difference podcast. Today we have someone that I've known for a very, very, very long time as our guest joining Cynthia and Sarah and I, and that is Nikki. Nikki has been dealing with some health issues for the past couple of years that uh, we definitely want her to talk about. But first, just before we go into it, we do want to mention that we do have a brand new website, what's the difference podcast.ca, which Cynthia has been working very hard on for the last month. That's a great place to find all of our episodes if you need just one place to go see them. Of course, we're still on YouTube. If you're watching us right now, then you're watching us probably on YouTube or through our website. We're still on anywhere you find your uh, podcasts. So you can still listen to us, take us on the go. And of course, if you ever want to talk to us uh, directly, we are on Instagram at What's the Difference Podcast. We're also on Facebook at What's the Difference Podcast. And you can email us at What's the Difference Podcast at gmail.com. And again, our guest today is Nikki. Nikki has been going through quite the challenge over the past two and a half years uh, when she was diagnosed with breast cancer very shortly after having her second child. So Nikki, just tell us about when, when this whole journey started and kind of what else was happening in your life at the time, where, with what stage you were at with your little boy then. Uh, first, I want to just thank you for having me on your podcast. It's uh, great to be here. I guess my cancer story started, like Jackie said, two and a half years ago. My youngest son was seven months old. I was diagnosed with stage three triple negative breast cancer. I had an older son who was four years old at the time. So of course, everything changed for us. Mm -hmm. um, I went on chemotherapy almost immediately. And afterwards, I had a single mastectomy. So just one side was done. After that, I had radiation and we thought everything was in the clear. And it turned out there was a cancerous lymph node left inside. So again, more surgery, more chemotherapy, and I finished all my treatment so far. I just have two more surgeries coming up. What was your, um, were your thoughts when you were first diagnosed? When I was first diagnosed, I think it didn't really fully hit me. So it was just kind of going through the motions, but it was mainly about what am I going to do with my children? Like they're so young. I had a four-year-old. I had this baby. We had just gotten into a rhythm where we were finally able to make everything work. And now our whole lives were going to change. What were some of the medical and non-medical challenges uh, you were facing when you first received your diagnosis? Well, at this time, I was already dealing with a pre-existing heart condition that I've had since childhood. And I was also dealing with anxiety, which is something that I've dealt with for several years. So that mm -hmm. sort of added a whole new level of complication to the issue. Um, also, of course, having a seven month old, I was just busy raising babies. And all of a sudden, we're adding cancer into the mix. Um, with my heart condition, it made it a lot more difficult to treat. 
and with anxiety, of course, having all the tests that come with it, because there is so much testing, that was a real struggle as well. Now, did you ever hear um, from people when, you know, when things started to ramp up at that point, were you hearing from people, oh, you're so young to deal with this, you're too young, or, or they, did they make assumptions about you? Or did you ever have to kind of have to explain things to people and be like, yeah, you don't get it. <laughs> yeah, um, that was actually a huge thing because I was only 34 when I was diagnosed. And for breast cancer, that's very young. Mm -hmm. And for me, I have the BRCA1 gene, which actually gives you an 85% chance of developing breast cancer at some point in your life. So I think a lot of people were just asking like, well, you're so young, like, how did this happen? A lot of people were also telling me that the younger you are, the more chance you have of recovery. I think they just wanted me to feel better because that's not necessarily true but yeah a lot of people were really confused about it didn't really get it they thought that maybe there was something in my life that had caused it besides the gene so I got a lot of questions about that as well what were the most the most difficult challenges in terms of the treatment uh, emotionally physically and um, mentally and how did that affect parenting going through chemotherapy for most people is very difficult. It's basically injecting poison into your body to help heal you from the cancer, but it basically knocks you out. And for me, I had days where I could not get out of bed. I could not really function. I was in a lot of pain. My treatment cycles were that I would get an infusion of chemo, two different kinds of chemo once every two weeks for basically the entire summer. So I was knocked out and wow. I couldn't care for my children. It was very difficult. Like I had my husband, but he was working full time. So my mom actually stepped up and she stepped in and she was basically like a second mother to my children. Yeah, like that issue of having someone there for them was a huge challenge. Also emotionally, it's very difficult because we sort of live in the society where everything is about positive messages. So I definitely struggled because some days were very hard and I felt like I was weak or that I couldn't be upset about things, that I had to just be positive. And those messages were coming at me from everyone, like, you're so strong, you're going to beat this. It was like I couldn't take any time to be sad and frustrated about it. Or... Did you find that it sounded fake, though, like from the other people, the positive messages? Sometimes, yes, because I think it's just what people, are sort of or sort of think that you're supposed to say but I know that it was coming from a good place like my friends and family they definitely cared they wanted things to go well and they wanted me to be in a good state of mind I guess but that was very difficult also um definitely the changes that your body's going through like with chemotherapy most people do lose their hair and I did and I had so many messages of it's just hair it'll grow back and it's true like it's better to be alive and not 
have hair, but it's something that I definitely did struggle with. So the comments saying it's just hair, I found really hurtful. Just personally, some people may not feel that way. But I know that I definitely felt that way. And that it is okay to feel upset about it. Also with surgery, when I had my mastectomy surgery, um, I feel like I didn't really go into it prepared, because I was thinking, well, it's just a breast, like they're going to remove it. And I'm still going to be alive, it's going to be fine. And when I woke up from that surgery, I didn't have a flat chest, which is what most of the images that we see of people who have breast cancer, I actually had a huge crater in my chest. And that was mentally really, really difficult to recover from. I think that that was probably my lowest point in my cancer journey, aside from being re-diagnosed was really just the post-surgery recovery. I was going to say that I think what happens is something like when you're losing your hair is like, okay, so yes, all the other things are worse. Like I know you mentioned to me about the bone pain you had which was yes. just horrendous and yes that is worse but when you're feeling like crap and then you actually love your hair and your hair falls out it's like well this is the cherry on top like really I don't need this and so yeah will become that will be a symbol for you that might be the clincher right there is the symbol of loss of something like that or losing your breast which is something like you're if you're going into a cancer journey, I think. And again, I don't know this from experience, but from talking to you and from the way I think I would feel is like, okay, well, you just do anything to get rid of my cancer. But then Mm -hmm. later, it's like you have to actually, you have to comprehend and you have to kind of get it through your head what just happened to you. And you can't necessarily do that when you're faced with life and death. It's later when you experience those emotions. Yes. And also with chemo, um, there were some side effects. Like you mentioned the bone pain, which was excruciating. I would say it was much worse than labor with either of my children. But I also got side effects that you don't really hear about, like acne. I had the worst Mm -hmm. acne I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Your hair's falling out, you're swelling up because you're taking steroids, your body already can't do as much, and then you're dealing with acne and things like that on top of it. It's really hard to, I guess, kind of accept it all and not just feel badly about yourself. Nikki, from like your perspective, I guess, like what are some things that able body had a hard time understanding or um, getting about your journey with um, cancer and having your heart condition and all that and being a mom? One of the hardest things was that people didn't really understand with chemo, it doesn't just knock you out for a few days and then you recover quickly. It's a long process. And even now, that I've been finished chemo for a few months, I'm still not back to where I was before. So I don't have the energy that I used to have. I'm still dealing with emotionally as well, the aftermath of kind of just everything that had happened. I have lymphedema in my arm now because all the lymph nodes were removed. So I think that people sort of think that- What is that? Because when, so is that what happens when all the lymph nodes are removed or? Yeah, so what happens is your lymph nodes work to remove fluid from different parts of your body. So the fluid goes towards healing wounds and things like that. And if you don't have lymph nodes, the fluid accumulates. 
hurts. My arm can swell up even from something like a mosquito bite, from a paper cut. The fluid just accumulates and it won't drain without help. So I have sleeves that I wear and gloves that I wear. I also have to do massages to get the fluid draining from my arm. Sorry to interrupt, but there are some treatments for lymph nodes, right? Um, that you can get or... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There are treatments. There's physiotherapy you can do as well. So it is something that's able to be managed, mm -hmm. but it's still something that you didn't have before that you do have to deal with. 100%, yeah. Yeah, people and what, you know, what um, misunderstandings, I guess, they had in terms of you with your journey. and Like I was saying, just mainly it's just being over once it's over and all those feelings and all those symptoms that you had just going away when it's mm -hmm. really something that you carry with you. You have to have tests every six months for the next few years to make sure that you don't have cancer coming back. Those can be really, really scary because you've been diagnosed with cancer and it could come back. So you almost develop this like post-traumatic like cancer thing where you're just worried that it's never going to be gone for good. And I think we touched on it on our mental health episode back a few months ago, but just about after you've been through so much medical trauma, you do start to suffer like a medical type of PTSD and that actually exists. I was actually looking for information about this online a while ago. It's very hard to find stuff on medical PTSD because it's normally like childhood trauma or something like that. But mm -hmm. medical PTSD does exist. And oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. If you've had a bad experience in a hospital, I mean, I know personally, my only worst experience was when they were trying to put a nose tube down my throat. And mm -hmm. I was held down by four nurses. I was 11 years old, and I was 45 pounds. And I was so strong that I actually managed to push four nurses off of me oh. and ran out of the room <laughs> catching my IV in the door. So I almost ripped the IV out of my arm. And to this day, I can't have anything like up my nose. It terrifies me. So when I hear about a COVID test, I know eventually I'll have to have a COVID test for some reason. But when I hear about the thing going up the nose, I freak out and I know it's so silly because it's something like a COVID test it's, it's easy peasy it's done like in five seconds and it's important to get one but I am like doing everything that I can at all costs to avoid one by basically self-isolating most of the time so that I don't have to be in contact with anyone yeah it's like when I I, I I used to get a lot of sore throats when I was a kid I don't know why we never decided to that I had to get my tonsils out but throat cultures they're the worst make me gag like and you know what it's these, it's these little things too like it's as you mentioned again like losing the hair was one of the most traumatic things for you it's the things mm -hmm. that people will go oh those are the nothing things well when yeah. you've had a lot of medical trauma they're actually the worst sometimes um and I did have tests that were quite traumatic for me uh, to undergo a heart test during all of this just to see how my heart was handling everything and they used a contrast dye in it and I ended up having an anaphylactic reaction to the contrast dye oh, and wow. that's something that my anxiety already touches on so it was really scary and then to have to go back in to do a similar test where they're injecting dyes or nuclear materials to get imaging tests it really does kind of give you traumatic response i do have one follow-up question um did you feel um that your family also experienced some sort of trauma throughout this whole journey the reason why i asked it because i actually in my family know of a few people that actually um struggled with breast cancer and we ended up even losing somebody definitely my family it was very traumatic for my family probably everyone in my immediately family immediate family my parents 
parents actually live with us and my mom had gone through breast cancer five years before I was actually diagnosed right after her five year cancer free anniversary for her it was very traumatic to see her daughter going through what she had gone through. Yeah. Also, my husband, he was terrified that he was going to lose me and he would be alone raising our two children. And while my younger son was still a baby and didn't really understand, mm -hmm. um, my older son definitely struggled with understanding, well, why can't mama do these things with me? Why is her hair falling out? Like suddenly I was in bed all the time. I mm. looked different and it was really scary for him. And yeah, we actually sure. had a play therapist from the hospital come over to help explain things to him through play. Before surgery, she would come by and help him deal with it. And mm -hmm. I think now, like every time I get sick, even if it's just a cold, if I want to go lay down, immediately he has this response of, why are you laying down? And he gets really scared that it's going to happen again. Oh What's the play therapist? That's actually pretty interesting. Was uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, that is so good that during all of this, that you got that support for your son as well, right? So he can, mm -hmm. to the best of his ability, try to understand and be okay with all the different major changes that are happening in his life. Yeah, and that was such a great thing that the hospital provided. I didn't know that it was something that even existed before, but they will come right to your house regularly, do all kinds of activities with the kid. Like before I had my lymph node surgery, she brought a doll and he did his own little lymph node surgery on the doll. It really helped him understand. And with the post-surgical equipment that you have, like I had drains all over and he was able to see those before and so it wasn't as scary for him when I came home and there's all these changes. So before you went into this entire journey, did you have any preconceived notions of what it would look like? Was there anything that now that you're kind of, you're getting towards the, the light at the end of the tunnel, was there anything that has surprised you along the way or anything that you were like, that wasn't as bad as I expected or anything that was more, oh, that was way worse than I expected? Um, I did know a little of what to expect because my mom had gone through it. I was one of the people who were taking care of her mainly. So I knew chemo would be really rough, but I didn't actually expect all the emotional response that comes with it, all the things that are very triggering. As we were talking about tests and traumatic responses to that, I really didn't expect that some of the tests that we would think would be the easier part were actually the hardest part. I found a lot of the tests very triggering. I also experienced a lot of side effects, mainly from chemo, but also from surgery that I didn't know existed. Like with chemo, I expected to be very nauseous, very sick, to lose a lot of weight because that's the way I guess that most people experience uh, cancer or it's the image that we're really shown. And I actually had the opposite where I gained weight from cancer. So that was hard to deal with as well, because it was just all these side effects that I had never expected. After, like I had said, with the first surgery that I had, post-surgery, I didn't expect the recovery to be like it was. I really felt like I wasn't really prepared enough for those things. That's why for me, it's important to sort of get that information out there so people understand more of what the response can be because it's not really shown. It's not really talked about. I mean, some things were mentioned in a couple pamphlets that they handed to me. 
but it, it wasn't the typical cancer experience that you see like in the media or on TV shows. Like it was very different from that. Um, so Nikki, do you see cancer as a disability or do you think it's something completely different as a, in, in terms of health? I think that's a really, really hard question to answer. With cancer, unless you're stage four and it's something that you can't recover from, a lot of people do recover from cancer. So it's not a chronic sort of super long term thing that sticks with you forever. But at the same time, there are complications from cancer that can stick with you, <clears throat> especially while you're going through treatment while you're going through the whole thing. It is really debilitating. There's a lot of things that you can't do. I know that personally, it stopped me from being able to do a lot in my life. So I, I don't know, I think it depends who you ask the question to, if it's a disability, if it's not, maybe it's a short term disability for some and for others who struggle with complications from cancer for the rest of their life, maybe in some ways it is a disability there. I think that's a really hard question to answer. Yeah, and it's not gonna be the same for every person either, like every person will see it differently. So I mean, and it's, and it's depends what your symptoms were it depends all kinds of stuff but at the time you need whatever accommodations you need you should be able to get and that's the main that's yeah. the main thing and actually one thing um with accommodations i know that for myself every time i would go to the grocery store um just to shop for our family i would be exhausted by the time i got from the car to the store so i wanted to apply for accessible parking but i knew someone that had cancer in the past who did unless she went out without her wig on people would constantly yell at her for parking there so that's stop me from doing it but I know that every time I went I'd be knocked out for the rest of the day like some days I never would have been able to do that so yeah that was definitely I was gonna say that in our earlier episodes that's a lot of things that I've discussed about getting the stairs when I use an accessible parking spot and people are like well you look so young how can there be something wrong with you well do you want me to take off my top and show you my scar <laughs> I was just like that's so weird because I use accessible parking when I'm with my family and I don't if I'm with my mom and dad I don't even have my cane out and if in daylight I don't even really use sighted guide and I've never had anybody just randomly come up and like why are you using accessible parking oh that's so good that no one has and I always feel like people might be like wonder like why is she like she looks normal like quote-unquote normal why is she using this parking spot you know yeah and again that's like with cancer I think that people think that someone with cancer will look a certain way Mm -hmm. Whereas with me, I wasn't losing weight from the chemo. And mm -hmm. once I did get my wig, you couldn't really looking at me tell that I was someone that was experiencing cancer. So I think people would just be very confused. Like, why is she using accessible parking? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So that's, that's definitely something that came up a lot. Uh, Nikki, I just wanted to ask in regards to when you're going through your whole journey and continuing with your journey with cancer and everything how was your mental health affected and what are like were you able to focus on that and take care of that mental health was something that I definitely struggled with especially being someone who has dealt with anxiety and trauma in the past mm -hmm. I did have a psychologist that I had been seeing for years I would contact her and have sessions throughout my cancer treatment. Um, um, 
just so I could sort of deal with all the um, mental health struggles that I did have going through treatment. And I mentioned before that some things to do with treatment were very triggering for me, especially something that I found triggering was that every time you'd go in, they would weigh you. And I'm someone who has an eating disordered past. So that was something that would come up. Um, Doctors constantly talking about weight and also just the changes to your body. I felt that was really triggering and something I struggled with. Also, I have a history of trauma and Mm -hmm. a lot of tests that came up. Just even the out of control feeling that you have when you have cancer, that your body's going through something and you can't control it at all. That was really triggering for me as well. And I've spoken to some other people going through cancer and they mentioned the same thing that they found it so triggering. And it's something that nobody ever really talks about. I had one scan where they actually tie your feet together. People were kind of horrified by that. That, that is true. I think a lot of times when you hear cancer stories or people struggling with any time, they don't really talk about the, the trauma and mm-hmm. potentially if they've had it past where they struggled with mental health and, and uh-huh. traumatic experience or how it affects them when they're going through a whole new thing. And it makes me really proud that you know you were able to have that support even though you were going through that because a lot of times Mm -hmm. when you are struggling with a specific illness you kind of put your mental health at the back burner and it's really important that you stay on top of your mental health during these times yeah you can like have more control try to have more control and be a little bit more mentally emotionally better because that can also help you physically recover from you know treatments and things like that you're going through absolutely and I did mention that like I had a psychologist I was already seeing but a lot of hospitals do provide mental health support now because it is such a big struggle going through cancer so there are people that you can talk to about what you're going through how has your relationship changed um over the course of your treatment with others with some people um my relationships have actually gotten closer gotten stronger because those were people that were really there for me throughout my treatment jackie of course being one of those people with other people i guess after a certain amount of time like cancer is something that's really hard for people to deal with so some people kind of pull away they don't want to be around it it's just too much for them so I did lose some friendships throughout my journey with my family and my children definitely we grew closer as a family I have to say that when you know when you say that sometimes cancer can scare people away or something like that something that I want our listeners and our viewers to know is that on the eve of my last heart operation when I was 24 years old and I was so terrified and such a nervous wreck because I hadn't had heart surgery since I was eight and it was going back into a world that I didn't know and Nikki came over to my house and stayed with me until I went to bed that night because because I was so scared like I was having massive panic attacks about Mm-hmm. Especially because the the pre- the procedure I had on my heart at that time was still considered revolutionary and brand new, and the doctor had said to me, "You know, people can die." And I'm going, "Thank you, that's really nice." Uh, we're going to discuss bedside manner of doctors at the end of this episode, just so you know. But I was really terrified, and Nikki stayed till I think he stayed till like eleven or midnight, and I had to be up at five a.m. for the surgery, and I was just <laughs> a wreck. And you calmed me down, and you were like, "Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry, everything's going to be fine." And as it turns out, everything was fine. And And so I have to thank you for that because it really helped me get through the next day, which was so tough. And I still was a total wreck the next morning, but at least I had you to calm me down that night. So that was 
really amazing. I'm glad that I could be there for you like that. And those friends are really the people who do make a difference. Like I had friends who did some things for me during my treatment. Like I remember the first weekend after chemo, one of our friend's sons was having a birthday party. And I was so upset because I couldn't take Josh. I was just exhausted. I couldn't get out of bed. And one of my friends came and picked him up and took him to the party, made sure he was fine and he was happy. And it just made all the difference. Absolutely. And I think that's the, that's the thing in, in general, like having a disability or illness when people find out about it and they get scared Mm -hmm. and it's either relationships, I think during those times grow and get stronger or then they kind of just diminish away. And I think a lot of times it's just people just don't know how to react when you say, well, by the way, just want to let you know, I'm partially sighted or I'm struggling with, you know, a heart illness or cancer. Like people are just very thrown off and they're just like, okay, now I don't know how to talk to you anymore. So um, one thing with relationships, when I was going through treatment and really my whole cancer journey a lot of my friends didn't want to share anything negative with me because they felt like whatever they were going through well I'm going through cancer so to them that seemed that it was worse so I found out all these things afterward no one wanted to really put anything on me and while I know it was coming from a good place and it was appreciated that they cared so much about me that they didn't want to stress me out even more I felt really bad that I couldn't be there for friends when I really would have wanted to be. So I think people sometimes keep things from you because they don't want to add more to what you're going through, but you really do still want to be there for them. And I don't know if that's something that you guys have experienced as well. I think people just feel like they don't want to burden you more. I was even guilty of that, Nikki, because there was a little time that I didn't want to tell you what was going on with me. And you were like, no, it's okay to tell me. Like, it's okay. Are there any things uh, you would like people to know about what it's like to live with breast cancer? The biggest thing that I would want to tell people is that you don't need to be a hero. You don't need to be brave. You can take time to be upset, to be sad, to take those days where you really need to work on healing your body. Because I really wasn't doing that at first. And it did so much damage. It just wasn't... positive thing people just really need to take the time to allow themselves to be upset to think this isn't fair this isn't something that anyone should have to go through so I think that um, is a big thing that I would want people to know I'd also want to tell people there are a lot of things that aren't expected that may come up and it's okay to ask for help it's a good idea to talk to someone first to be more prepared to make your doctor answer all those questions that you may have so that you're really prepared going into chemo going into surgeries and you have all the information that you need yeah just an aside do you think breast cancer takes too much priority like the awareness because uh, it's too quote-unquote commercialized because there are all types of cancers and they don't get the same press as everybody else yeah definitely um I've had a lot of people tell me if you're going to get cancer, breast cancer is a good one to get because all of the media attention, all the pink stuff in stores for breast cancer. And it's wonderful that there's all that support. But as you said, there are other cancers as well that aren't getting the attention. And I know also the way that breast cancer is presented in the media. For me, I actually found it kind of harmful because you see pictures of these beautiful women 
with maybe flat chests and no hair. And it's not really representative of everyone who may be going through breast cancer. So that was something that I struggled with as well because it's usually I older like ladies you see too. Yeah, you know, men go through breast cancer as well. And it just wasn't a very good representation of who goes through it. But definitely it is very represented in the media. Just everybody knows about breast cancer. There's always breast cancer events. People donate to breast cancer and other cancers definitely need that as well. What positive changes have come out in the past few years for you, Nikki? As cliche as this sounds, going through something like this did make me a stronger person. I take a lot less crap from people now because I don't have the patience for it. I'm not afraid to speak my mind anymore. I used to be someone that was kind of reserved. I wouldn't speak up. I didn't want to rock the boat. I'm not Mm -hmm. like that anymore. I absolutely will speak up. And if I see something going on that's wrong, I'll say something. In that way, it changed me. I think also priorities. I'll take the time to have those small moments with my kids that maybe we would have rushed through otherwise. Yeah, some days, like if my son, I know it's different now with COVID, but beforehand, Mm -hmm. if he needed to a day home from school, I would let him take the day home and we'd spend that day together doing something just because he needed that. It made me appreciate those things more. Mm -hmm. Friendships as well, family, and also prioritizing experiences, putting things off like trips or something like that. I didn't want to do that anymore because you never know what could happen. I went and had a trip with a bunch of my girlfriends last year and it was amazing. And before this, I think I would have made excuses not to go and I would have said, oh, we'll do it eventually. We'll do it eventually. But now I'm more willing to just kind of jump out there and do it. Do you think that you um, became emotionally more stronger? Because I know like you talked a little bit about your past and things you went through before cancer so do you think like in the past few years dealing with this cancer journey that you became emotionally more stronger or you think you're just still the same I think in some ways yes I definitely learned a lot more about myself became uh, more aware of certain um, feelings or issues and was able to address them better mm-hmm. I don't know that I'd say I'm necessarily stronger maybe emotionally stronger in some ways but I definitely what was I gonna say this is what happens like after chemo you there's actually something called chemo brain and you constantly lose your train of thought you constantly can't think of words it lasts mom brain right yeah it's like mom (laughs) brain it's like pregnancy brain it's just you can't think of the words you can't think of what you were gonna say like I know sometimes I'm playing piano and in the middle of it I'm like what am I doing what chords am I playing I have no idea so what was I gonna say I think emotionally stronger in the sense that I'm more willing to address any anxiety or any emotional issues that I'm going through and ask for help right away instead of Mm -hmm. just trying to like plow through it. So in some ways, Mm -hmm. yes, I would say I'm more emotionally stronger. In other ways, mm, probably the same. (laughs) My follow-up question um, before we get into a little discussion about doctors and how we've been treated is what is the latest as far as your heart condition 
and what's next kind of for you with, I know you mentioned about surgery. So what's kind of the next step and what are we looking at timelines as far as your surgery? So with surgery, the timelines are definitely off because of COVID. I was supposed to have both of them this fall because of uh, COVID and they canceled a lot of elective surgeries. And these are considered elective because one of them is a mastectomy for the other side because I still have an 85% chance of developing breast cancer on that side. And another one is to remove my fallopian tubes because I also have a greater risk of having uh, cancer there after having breast cancer and as well as the BRCA1 gene. So those surgeries have kind of been pushed off. I have no idea when they're going to happen. I'm still waiting to hear from those doctors. In terms of my heart, I've been going through a lot of testing because we were worried that my heart was getting worse from the chemotherapy and then from the radiation that I did because it can travel to your heart. So far, tests are showing that things haven't progressed any worse. We've been talking maybe I'll get a pacemaker, maybe not, we'll see. I've been working really hard to get enough exercise to eat well so that my heart is stronger. I think right now it's it's not as strong as it was before chemo, but it's not too much worse. So something I kind of wanted to save till the end of this conversation is a really important topic that I think we'll have to eventually have an entire episode about because this is something that people with invisible disabilities, disabilities, uh, whatever, you know, you name it, if you've had medical experience, this is something that's going to come up. And that is the issue of doctors and bedside manners. Uh, I know, Nikki, you've had some, you know, some challenges with your doctors during your chemo treatments. Uh, Like we can start off with you kind of what you want to see changed in that respect. But I'd like after we hear from Nikki, I'd like everybody to kind of pitch in and, you know, even Cynthia, what you said in the last episode about how the doctor was so insensitive to you and he said you can't have kids when you were 15 and it was just horrible the way he said that. Nikki, what are your thoughts on that? So I actually had quite a few experiences with negative bedside manner or things not being taken care of properly. Um, I mentioned earlier that I was declared like cancer free and then a few weeks later came back in and was re-diagnosed but it was it just hadn't been removed from my body and what happened there was when you're going through breast cancer you have an oncologist you have a surgical oncologist or a general surgeon you have a radiation oncologist you have all these different doctors. Sometimes they just don't communicate as they should be. So what happened in my case was I went in for a biopsy and the doctor that did the biopsy did not do it properly. It was too difficult because the lymph node was moving around. None of my doctors actually communicated to me that that lymph node was the original cancerous lymph node. So I had no idea. I thought it was something new. So the communication just wasn't there. And then they weren't communicating with each other because they decided they're not going to do surgery. They're going to do radiation. And my radiation oncologist didn't realize when he was determining how to do radiation that that lymph node wasn't in the field of radiation. It wasn't being treated because he had to adjust the radiation because of my heart condition. So none of these doctors were really communicating with each other. They weren't communicating with me. And that's how cancer was missed. And I had to go through another year and a half and I'm still going through it. Struggle with breast cancer. So the communication there as well 
felt is a big issue because they really, I felt, didn't communicate enough with me. And I think I mentioned it a few times as well is I wasn't prepared during surgeries. Like I didn't know what to expect, what would happen afterwards. It just wasn't something that they spent time on with me. I also had an experience where I was in the ER and my lungs were filling up with fluid. My heart was basically failing and I was cared for by the ICU team, but there weren't enough beds. So I was in the ER and I actually ended up staying in the ER for more than four days. At the end of it, no doctor wanted to deal with me. The ICU team discharged me. The oncology team said, well, we haven't seen her, so we're not going to discharge her. I eventually had to call my own oncologist to come down and discharge me from the ER because nobody would. No one would answer questions, nothing. So it was hard. And they just kept telling me through the whole thing, a bed will be ready soon, a bed will be ready soon. And I know that, you know, hospitals do struggle with having enough beds, but it was just such a bad experience. It's the disorganization and it's the fact that the, yeah. there's obviously issues with communication. Uh, yeah. and I've seen it so happen. It happens so often in my history, in my medical history. The experience that I've had is that the communication between like two doctors completely goes AWOL. And the other thing is it can be like the two doctors can literally be on the same floor right down the hall from each other and they still can't get their story straight. It's still like broken telephone or they don't talk to each other. Yeah. You're right across the hall from this other doctor. Why aren't you talking to each other? Yeah, um, Nikki, I do want to ask actually one follow-up question did you find before your cancer journey just because you know you had other medical conditions did you find the inconsistency with doctors was similar or was it a different experience then versus now dealing with cancer I think it was a little different just because it was so many doctors yeah like they basically had to run everything through my cardiologist because they weren't sure if something was okay for my heart or not so that added an extra complication to it just because there were so many more doctors it was different for sure I did have some doctors that were pretty rude to me over certain things I had a doctor who did a test on me and immediately he started going into how I need to eat how I need to exercise what things I need to eat he wanted me to do this keto diet and it's like this is what you need to do to beat cancer and it's like okay but you're doing this test like this isn't your area like why are you coming to me with this I guess and I've had other doctors talking about weight, which I mean, in some ways, it can exacerbate conditions, but it's mm -hmm. almost like shaming, you need to lose weight. And it's like, what does that have to do with what I'm going through now? I had the all? opposite issue uh, with a, um, I had some um, menstrual issues of uh, mm -hmm seven years ago that I basically, I don't think will ever recover. And um, I ended up seeing an endocrinologist and all she kept on doing was uh, telling me to gain weight. And it's very difficult for me to gain weight. Mm -hmm. My mom was pressuring me to eat more this or that. And they're all foods that I don't really like. I'm like, I'm like basically like down, basically like inhaling fats, but they're all good fats and it's still mm -hmm. not working. Like, I mean, like I, yeah. I, I was, I was like basically like 
pour some hummus down my throat yeah. and avocado. And it was, you know, it, it doesn't work for me. That's, well, and the point of that is if anybody, yeah. anybody's forcing you to do this, if anybody's telling you you have to do this, especially if like Nikki, you're in the midst of a cancer treatment or you're in the midst of cancer treatments, you know, I have other priorities right now. Like number one is living. And then <laughs> yeah. number two, I'll get to the other stuff after. And I mean, I've even found the same with since I've been pregnant is that people are saying, well, you can't gain too much weight or you have to watch your diet or maybe you should swap the chocolate bar for an apple. You know what? I am still a 16 and a half weeks pregnant. I am nauseous. I'm going to eat whatever I want and don't tell me what to eat. Like, honestly, doctors, think people don't know until they're going through it. That's really what it is. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. And I had a medication that I was taking the actual, the oral chemotherapy is known to cause weight gain. So I was gaining weight from that. And at the same time, I had doctors telling me not to gain weight. And in some cases, they were telling me, do whatever you can to lose weight, even if it means starving yourself. And like going through cancer, that's not something that you should be doing. It was really hard to go through a lot of that. Like there was one nurse that I had that wasn't a regular nurse, thankfully, that she came in and she took one look at me and she started talking about how I need to feed my kids healthier food and I need to take them outside more to exercise. And I was just like, lady, you don't even know my kids. Like my kids like devour fruits and vegetables. They're only inside because they're not allowed to be outside 24 seven. Like she didn't know me at all. And she's making all these harsh judgments. And I think going through something medical already, it's, it's really hard to listen to that and have to hear that. And I know Jackie and Cynthia, of course, you just mentioned you went through the same thing. And I think it also like depends, like sometimes when people are dealing with an illness and going through treatment, they're able to focus on, you know, what the doctors want them to focus on, Mm -hmm. like their weight or, you know, healthy eating. And for some people, that's just not a priority or like, it's just not something that, you know, they were willing to tackle at that time because it takes a lot of work emotionally as well, Mm -hmm. right? The most hilarious doctor was uh, told me to gain, in order to gain weight that I she, she asked me like do you like ice cream but like <laughs> what sugar I'm not a sugar girl but you know what yeah. I think back then too they had a different idea because no, no 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 this was like three years ago oh okay well that's oh, wow. just wrong then this was not the doctor who told me not to have babies that okay. was a whole other issue no 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 but I was going to say that back when I was nine years old and there was a lot of uh, my weird health symptoms that they couldn't diagnose at the hospital for sick children so my parents took me to Mayo Clinic in Rochester Minnesota and they actually gave me a book about ways you can gain weight because Cynthia I used to have your issue I don't anymore but I used to until I was 30 I had the same issue with you. I could not gain weight to save my life. I would lose in no, like nothing. All Somebody just had to blow the wind the wrong direction. I would lose 10 pounds. So I was given a book and it was all about how to gain weight. And it was like, you, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, actually, about how oh, you need to add lard into your diet and you need to add this and add that. And I can only imagine people if they would have said in 2020 reading this book that the recipes that are coming out of this book and going, oh, by 2020 standards, people would just be going, no, there's no way. So, you know, in in my time I was told, oh, if you're underweight, eat a chocolate bar. Well, that's not necessarily the right thing to do. Well, technically chocolate's good for you if it's the real dark kind without all the added crap. And I like the added crap. So I'm not going to eat our chocolate. But I think also more goes into it than just food. In some people's cases, you could be eating all the high fat food and you're not going to gain weight. In my case, I 
could eat amazingly well and I'd still be overweight, especially on medication where it's causing you to gain weight. Like as soon as I stopped that medication, I was able to lose some of the weight that had come on from it. And the medication I'm on basically like increases your cholesterol levels. Mm -hmm. So I started seeing a new doctor recently and she didn't understand that. that. And I actually, I didn't know that until I asked my neurologist because I eat foods. What I eat is what is typically suggested for people with high cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think, like, I mean, like, I think I might mention that to her next time I see her because she's not a neurologist, so she doesn't necessarily know that. Mm -hmm. I think that our our listeners and our viewers can consider this a good prequel of what you're going (laughs) to see in the episode coming up on body shaming. And I'm glad we kind of touched on that today. But I do want to wrap up. um, And I just want to ask Nikki, do you have any last words or any thoughts that you want to share before we wrap up? I think I just want to tell people that, you know, everyone's experience with breast cancer or any illness really is different. And it's okay to feel what you need to, to get through things however you need to and to ask for help to ask for support there's going to be wonderful people who will be there for you and it's okay to accept the help thank you so much for coming on to speak to us today and we look forward to having you next season on another episode so much for having me and i just want to give a big thank you because this is the end of our season one i want to give a big thank you to everybody who has been on this year we want to thank both sam who is coming back next year as a co-host at times we want to thank sam we want to thank steve who did help us with the first seven episodes and her husband was our video editor for the first seven episodes so big thank you to them thank you to all the guests we've had on from my cousin dan to uh erica who was living with blindness to shiny and now to uh mackenzie and sandra who were on a few episodes ago to nikki of course for today and if we missed anyone i'm sorry i can blame pregnancy brain for that so i'm sorry if i missed a guest (laughs) but we we want to thank everybody we also want to thank all our listeners and viewers for sharing our content content for telling your friends about it and for you know bringing awareness to things that really need to be talked about more in the in the mainstream and more wide open we're really looking forward to having some really in-depth conversations in season two where we're going to talk about culture and disability as well as hear from a friend of mine who is non-binary and how gender and sexuality can impact your treatment in a hospital and then of course as we said we're going to have the episode where we talk about body shaming we're going to have somebody on who dealt with alcoholism we're going to have a whole bunch of things as as well as chronic illness in general. We'll have a a little bit of a focus on that as well. Uh, We already have ideas that are already coming up for season three, which is going to be probably 2022. We've got a lot coming up. We hope that you will tune in for our episodes in season two. Thank you for supporting us in season one. And a big thank you, of course, to Cynthia, who has been an amazing co-host through all 10 episodes and who did an amazing job on our website. So big thank you to Cynthia. This has been awesome. Thank you for all your hard work. And to Sarah for joining us in episode nine at the very last minute where we're like oh we need a new host so thank you so much for joining us we look forward to your contributions in season two again if you want to reach out to us we're at what's the difference podcast at gmail.com you can visit our website what's the difference podcast.ca uh, you can reach out to us on instagram at what's the difference podcast again on facebook same thing and uh if you want to leave a comment on this video go ahead we'll probably get a respond to you and as always thank you for listening thank you for helping us advocate for ourselves thank you for understanding and thank you for being there and thank you so much for all your support we look forward to season two Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.